0: Welcome to episode four of Straight Up Sports, the podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Schaefer. So obviously, for those of you that are new and listening, thank you. I appreciate you giving some busy time of your day to come and listen. For those of you that are, have listened to the podcast before, I thank you for coming back. Uh, obviously, the name has changed once again. The reason the name has changed is because of uh, the, the other previous names have already been used. So obviously I have to be careful with all that. So uh, the name will be sticking now as Straight Up Sports, the podcast. It can be found on Google, Spotify, also can be found on, on uh, Apple Podcasts, which is great. So you guys can listen to whatever platform you guys want to, whatever makes you the most comfortable. So today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the NFL games. I'm not going to be picking the, uh, the Eagles-Jaguars game because it's going on right now. The Eagles actually have the lead with 7.55 to go. So I'm not going to be picking that game. I will be picking the other games. I'm also going to briefly talk about the NBA and the Jimmy Butler trade offer that's going on, and also the suspensions in the Rajon Rondo-Chris Paul fight. And uh, I also will briefly touch on the World Series. I'm not going to talk about it too much because the series seems like it's over. But really, the main thing of this podcast is I want to talk about Champions League soccer. I know I've been meaning to do this now for three podcasts, but I am going to do it today. So I'm going to quickly uh, pick the NFL game. So we're going to start with... Uh, the Bears and the Jets. The Jets are going to Chicago to Soldier Field. Jets are a nine-point underdog. I'm taking the Bears. Jets are really banged up offensively. Anunwa, al Powell, Robbie Anderson are all out. Khalil Mack is actually out for Chicago today, but I am going to take the Bears anyway. Trubisky is too good. I, I know that uh, you know, their Bears are without a couple of key players, but I still think Chicago has more talent. So I'm going to take the Bears over the Jets. Buccaneers, Bengals. Uh, I'm going to take Cincinnati. Tampa Bay got very fortunate last week against Cleveland. Cincinnati's coming off a bad loss to Kansas City. I think Cincinnati rebounds at home and gets the win against Tampa Bay. They're a four-point favorite. Seattle at Detroit. This is a tough game. Detroit's a three-point favorite. I'm going to take the Lions. Uh, Stafford's looked very good. Kerryon Johnson is clearly the number one running back now for Detroit. And um, I'm going to take the Lions. They just acquired Damon Snacks-Harrison for a fifth-round pick, which is an absolute steal. So I will take the Lions over the Seahawks. Broncos, Chiefs, I will take Kansas City. I think this is probably the best team right now in the AFC. So I will take them over Denver. Denver's looked really up and down this year. There's rumors Demarius Thomas may get traded. We'll see. I I don't think it's going to happen because this contract is too big. But I will take Kansas City to beat Denver. Washington at the Giants. Again, I don't think the Giants are winning this game. I'm taking the Redskins. The Giants are just awful and an embarrassment. I've talked about that on numerous podcasts. So the Giants will go to 1-7. Browns at the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger is 21-1-2 in his career against Cleveland. That will go to 22-1-2 as Pittsburgh will win this game against Cleveland. Rumors are that Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson may get fired. They probably should be. I mean, the Browns, are, the Browns should not be a 2-4-1 football team. They have a lot of talent on that team. They should have won at least four games. But I will take Pittsburgh to beat the Browns. Ravens-Panthers. This is an, another underrated good game. Uh, Baltimore is a two and a half point favorite, but I'm going to take Carolina. Uh, Carolina is three and zero at home. Cam Newton's looked very good. They're coming off a big win against the Eagles last week. You know, Baltimore beat ten beat a, you know, a, a bad team, and you know I still like Carolina. I think they're an underrated football team. You know, Christian McCaffrey's really done well this year for them, so I'm I'm going to take Carolina in this game. Indianapolis at Oakland, I mean, this game could go either way. I'm going to actually take Indianapolis. Oakland's a disaster. I mean, what John Gruden's done to that organization is what Phil Jackson did to the Knicks. He took the money, and he's ruined the team. You know, he trades Khalil Mack. He comes out and has to say that Derek Carr is his future quarterback. I mean, Derek Carr should be the quarterback. Derek Carr's a great quarterback. John Gruden doesn't know what he's doing. So I'm going to take Indianapolis in this game. Packers at the Rams. This is gonna be a very good game to watch. I'm gonna take the Rams though. Green Bay's banged up. You know Rodgers is still fighting that hamstring injury that he suffered a few weeks ago. The offense of LA is too strong. Green Bay's weakest part of their team has always been their defense and their running game. But LA obviously has a great defense. I think the Rams get it done against Green Bay. San Francisco and Arizona. This is a game. I don't. You could flip a coin for this game. Both these teams are awful. I will take the 49ers in this game. Arizona's really falling apart. You know, Patrick Peterson asked for a trade. Now he's saying he's going to stay. I don't expect him to get traded. They're going to want two first-round picks for him. That's too high of a price tag for somebody who's getting a little older. So I will take the 49ers in this game. 49ers are 0-4 on the road. Arizona's 0-4 at home, so they have something to give there. But I will take San Francisco with a a 2.5-point favorite. And the game, I think everybody's looking forward to is Saints-Vikings Sunday night. Saints are a two-point favorite on the road at Minnesota. This is a rematch of the divisional round last year where the New Orleans Saints had a chance to win this game. And unfortunately for them, the the safety or the corner came up and tried to make a, a pick-six play. But Stephon Diggs made what they're now calling the miracle in Minnesota. And... uh the Vikings ended up winning that game. Unfortunately, they got blown out in Philly by the Eagles. But I'm going to take the Vikings in this game. They've won three in a row. They're playing well. I know Drew Brees has played well, and he's probably in the MVP discussion right now. But Minnesota, there, there's something going there right now. And, you know, Minnesota's at home. So, it's obviously, the Saints don't play as good away from the Dome. They are 3-0 on the road this year. But normally, they don't play as well away from the Superdome as normal. So, I'm I'm going to take the Vikings. And then Monday Night Football is the Patriots and the Bills. This is a team of polar opposites. New England's actually a two-touchdown favorite in this game. I actually think Buffalo's going to cover, but I think New England's going to win the game. I I still think the Patriots are too strong. Buffalo's got a lot of problems at quarterback and all these other issues. So I'm going to take the Patriots over the Bills. So now I'm going to transition a little bit to the NBA. I'm going to briefly get into the fight that happened between the Lakers and the Rockets. So to give some context on it, basically what happened was James Harden went in for a layup. He was fouled by Brandon Ingram. You know, Brandon Ingram then came up and shoved James Harden. I, I really don't understand why he did it. Then he yelled at the official, and then Chris Paul and Rajan Rondo got into it. You know, Chris Paul takes his index finger, shoves it on Rajan Rondo's face. Rondo throws a left hook. Chris Paul throws an uppercut. And then Brandon Ingram comes flying in, and he throws a right hook. So obviously all three guys were suspended. Chris Paul got two games, Rajon Rondo three games, and Brandon Ingram four games. Now, a lot of players have been taking sides in this Chris Paul, Rajon Rondo debate. Chris Paul is a guy who apparently is not known as a great teammate. Rajon Rondo is definitely out there, to say the least. Every team he's been on, he's caused problems. He caused problems in Chicago, Boston, Sacramento, New Orleans, I mean, Dallas, you name it. So... Me personally, I happen to believe I'm on Chris Paul's side, and I think that's just out of respect for how good Chris Paul is. You know, do, do I believe Chris Paul is a diva? Yes. I think most of the NBA players are, let's be honest. They're at the superstar level, and it's all about them. I think a lot of them are divas. But Rajon Rondo is a troublemaker, you know, and I mean, he's had so many issues with so many teammates and coaches you know, it's just like, nobody is surprised that Rajon Rondo's in this situation. You know, I, I do believe the suspensions, though, should have been much more. I think Brandon Ingram should have gotten eight games. I think if they doubled the suspensions, it wouldn't have been that bad. But you only gave Chris Paul two games for throwing a punch. That's ridiculous. Two games. I mean, I mean that, that's, that's absolutely ludicrous. I, I mean, Chris Paul should have gotten at least four games. You know, and I understand that some people are saying, oh, you know, Chris Paul makes a lot more money than Brandon Ingram and, you know, the salaries should even out, please. So that, that is such baloney. Okay, Brandon Ingram, first of all, started the whole thing. It's his fault that this thing escalated because he shoved Harden. So it's really Brandon Ingram's fault. So Brandon Ingram should have been suspended the most games. So obviously the suspensions are pretty much over for all of them. I believe Chris Paul and Roger Armando have played. um, And that's that. So... On to the other big thing in the NBA, which is that Jimmy Butler, a trade offer has come in from the Houston Rockets. It's four first-round picks for Jimmy Butler from the Houston Rockets. Now, Houston is 1-4. They're not playing well. Harden's hurt. Chris Paul was suspended. Carmelo clearly is not a number one or a number two option anymore in the league. And Clint Capella has not really gotten off to the start. I think they wanted him to. They've lost Trevor Reza and Lucashar and Bahamute. Those are two big losses for them. So I I can see why Houston's gotten off to such a slow start. Obviously, Harden getting hurt obviously doesn't help. But when you look at you look at their team, they don't have a third guy. Now, Jimmy Butler makes sense to be the third guy, but four first round picks? I mean, that's a lot. That is that is Brooklyn Nets, Boston Celtics, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett trade-esque territory. You know, I mean, we are talking that territory. Jimmy Butler is also 29 years old. He's going to want a max contract, which I understand, you know, players want to get paid, and I get that. But Jimmy Butler, to me, is not a top 20 player in the NBA. He's like maybe just outside it, you know, like 22, 23, you know, but he's not a top 20 player. I'm sorry. I mean he's I don't believe in that. I I think he's a very good two way player. He may be a top five two way player. And that's gonna be his argument at the at the table in negotiations is I'm a two way player, I should be paid more than guys like you know, like Steph Curry, for instance, who's really just an offensive player. But Steph Curry is a generational talent. Jimmy Butler is just a guy who's caused a lot of problems. Jimmy Butler has caused issues in Chicago. A lot of the young players didn't like him. He's caused problems in Minnesota. Obviously, Carl anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins don't like him, and the, he doesn't like them. So, now, if you're Minnesota, I don't understand why you haven't accepted the trade already. I mean, what does Tom Thibodeau want? You know, you're not going to get much better than four first-round picks. What do you want, five first-round picks? You know, I mean, t- Tom Thibodeau was actually knocked off the negotiation table, so he's not allowed to negotiate the trades anymore. It's now being done by Glenn Taylor, the owner, who, by the way, is not... He's one of the worst owners in sports that no one talks about. Remember, this guy took three point guards and passed on Steph Curry. He took Ty Lawson, he took Ricky Rubio, and took Johnny Flynn out of Syracuse. That's my guy right there, Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn was never going to be a good NBA player. The fact that he took three point guards... And didn't take Steph Curry. Is all you need to know. About Minnesota. That's all you need to know. Now granted they traded Ty Lawson away. You know. And they had Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn. Uh, which I, I don't even understand. Because Ty Lawson ended up being a very good player. So it's almost like they traded the wrong guy. You know if you're going to trade one of them. You should have traded Johnny Flynn. But I, I Minnesota is a dysfunctional organization. I mean. I mean. Four first-round picks, and now they're saying they want Eric Gordon. Why is Eric Gordon so important? Eric Gordon, yes, he's had a nice career. He's won sixth man of the year. Kind of refound himself in Houston after he struggled in New Orleans. But the guy gets hurt all the time. He's got knee, He's had, like, four knee surgeries in, like, six years. I mean, I, I don't understand why Eric Gordon has to be a big part of this trade. I mean, what's that going to do? Because you're losing a wing, and now you want to gain a wing back? I mean, I don't understand it at all from Minnesota. I mean, they are just... Absolutely dysfunctional. You know, I mean, it's a disaster over there. I mean, they're, you know everybody thinks the Knicks are the most dysfunctional franchise. I beg to differ with Minnesota and Sacramento. I mean, whew, those teams are bad. But anyway, uh, I want to give some baseball news really quick. The Mets have hired a general manager. I, I, it's amazing, you know, how the Mets seem to hire the wrong guy every single time. I mean, now they're hiring a GM, Brody Van Wagenen. I don't think I'm pronouncing that right. I apologize. But he is Brody Van Wagenen. We're just going to call him Brody. So Brody is a, is a player agent. He's DeGrom's agent, Todd Frazier's agent. Now, I don't know if the Mets think they're trying to do what the Lakers did, which is the Lakers hired Rob Polinka, who was Kobe Bryant's agent. But Rob Palenka had a had a knowledge, and everybody knew he had the potential to be a general manager, In the NBA. This guy, I mean, this guy has no experience doing anything except being an agent. Now, the other guy the Mets were going to hire was the assistant general manager, I believe, for Tampa Bay. And, I mean, Tampa Bay, his name is, actually, he's a Rays executive. His name is Chain Bloom. Now, Chain Bloom is a guy who kind of rebuilt Tampa Bay. I mean, Tampa Bay was not supposed to be good this year. They were in the playoff mix for all for a while. Now, they got eliminated about beginning mid-September, but they were still in it. And I think that shocked a lot of people. And I only think the reason the Mets hired Brody is because the Wilpons want a whipping post. The Wilpons want to run the team. They want to be the general. I don't understand why Fred Wolpon just doesn't name Jeff Wolpon his son the general manager, because that's the way it should be for them. They're an absolute tire fire, the Mets... An absolute tire fire. I mean, I can't even explain how bad they are. I mean, you look at the Yankees. They have Brian Cashman. Brian Cashman's done a great job for a long time. But the Mets, there's so many guys out there with so much experience. And you hire a guy who has no experience. This is like when the Knicks hired Phil. I mean, they have, you hire a guy who has no experience. Just to come in and it's like, okay, you know, he's the agent for a lot of our players. He's part of our organization. Yeah, let's do it. The Mets are going to be such a disaster. And I hope, for the Mets fans' sake, I hope Brody proves me wrong and the Mets win a World Series. But I got to be honest with you. did they only hire him to keep DeGrom? Because I know Brody's going to re-sign DeGrom now that he's there because he's DeGrom's agent. I mean, obviously he won't be the agent anymore. But my guess is he's probably going to re-sign with the Mets. Which I guess is a good thing for the Mets because they need DeGrom. So I don't even know how negotiating is going to work. Because when Kobe's agent took the Laker job, Rob Palenka, Kobe retired. So I'm not sure how the negotiating is going to work there. That's going to be interesting. But, you know, I think what Brody needs to do, and Joel Sherman wrote about this on, uh, on his Twitter account, at JoelSherman1, he mentions that the first big test the Mets have to make, and he's right, is you have to sell the Wolpons to spend big on the right things. Not Jay Bruce, not Cespedes, not Juan Lagaris. You've got to spend it on the right people, the character players, the guys that are going to matter, guys that have done it before. Don't spend, you know, $120 million on an aging player like Jay Bruce. Okay? I mean, the Mets should be paying DeGrom. I think they should trade Noah Syndergaard. But again, we'll we'll see what happens with the Mets. I don't like the hire at all. I would have hired uh, the other guy. But, you know, it's the Mets. They like to think outside the box and be different from everybody else. So what else is new? But anyway, quick touch on the World Series here. The Red Sox are up 3-1. to one. Dave Roberts, that was an embarrassment what he did last night. Bringing back in Ryan Madsen after he struggled all World Series. Mitch Marlin hits it 450 feet. Then he brings in Kenley Jansen, the eighth inning, for the second straight game. Second straight, same result, home run. It was deja vu. It was an embarrassment by Dave Roberts. And people will say, oh, Andrew Friedman is, is leading because Andrew Friedman's making $7 million and Dave Roberts is making, I don't know, a $1.7 million." Yes, the general manager makes the decisions, and he has a system of how you go about it. But in the end, the manager's making those decisions mid-game. He's making those decisions mid-game. I don't think mid-game the general manager is calling on the phone saying, Hey, Dave, you know you should put in Kenley Jansen for two innings. That would be pretty weird if that had happened. I'd be very concerned if I was a Dodgers fan, and that was the case. But Dave Roberts, for the second straight game, puts in Ryan Madsen and Kenley Jansen. And again, his plan doesn't work. And I I think David Price, who's actually pitched very well this postseason and has proven a lot of people wrong, including myself, I think David Price wins game five tonight. I think he wins it. And I think the Red Sox win the World Series. And it's kind of that destiny story for David Price. He wins the World Series tonight. Clayton Kershaw, who's 2-3 and in his career in closeout games with a 6.28 ERA, will struggle again. And that'll be the end of Kershaw in a Dodgers uniform. I think he goes somewhere else. I don't think they re-sign him. And I think David Price wins the World Series tonight for the Boston Red Sox. And they win it in five games. So now I'm going to focus on the Champions League. Now for those of you that don't know what the Champions League is, the Champions League is a big soccer tournament. It's a big It involves the the club teams, not the national teams, the club teams. And basically it's an annual thing that they do every year. And there's 32 teams in 8 groups. So the way it works is they get put each team gets put into a pot, right? They get put into they get put into four different uh, pots, and basically the you get put in these groups. You can't be with a team from your own country, and you can't be with a team in your pot. So obviously, the defending champions are Real Madrid. They've dominated this the last four or five years. You know, obviously with Cristiano Ronaldo on their team, that that helps a lot. So. I'm going to break down each group to this point. We're about halfway through the group stage. Each team has played three games. And I'm going to give my predictions for the semifinals and the finals and who I think is going to win. Now, obviously, we don't know the matchups because this is not the World Cup where, you know, the winner of group A plays the second team in group B. It's not like that. The way it works is the top teams that win each group are in one pot and the second teams in each group are in a pot. Now, in the first round of knockouts, which would be the round of 16, you can't play the second play. You can't play the team that was in your group, and you can't play a team that's in your own country. Once you get past the round of 16, you can play anybody. It doesn't matter what country you're from or what group you're in. It doesn't matter. So each team has played three games to this point. So we're halfway through group stage. So we're gonna start with Group A, which is Borussia Dortmund from the Bundesliga. Borussia Dortmund's actually had a very good season to this point. You know, they they acquired Axel Witzel from China. He has been very good. And, you know, give Borussia Dortmund a lot of credit because I don't think anyone expected them to be this dominant right now. Then you have Atletico Madrid from La Liga. You have Monaco from League 1. And you have Club Bruges from Belgium. Now, Club Bruges has made games difficult a little bit. Club Bruges, they got a draw against Monaco, and they have two losses to Atletico and Dortmund. Monaco also is 0-1-2. And I would say for Monaco, that's a real disappointing result so far. Now, they hired Thierry Henry as their new manager. Uh, They did get a draw with Bruges, which, again, is a disappointing result. Now, But granted, they just hired a new manager, and it's going to take time. But honestly, Club Bruges... Has looked better than Monaco. Monaco has not looked very good. And they're in a a mess right now. Actually, if you look at the goal differentials for for this group. Monaco's goal differential is worse than Club Brugge. And they have really struggled. Atletico Madrid is 2-0-1. And. And Borussia Dortmund has completely dominated this group. I mean, they are they are just impressing everybody. Uh, I mean, I, I think they've been the most impressive team to this point. You know, I, I think, obviously, I don't think anyone expected this team to be that good. Um, I think most people expect them to get out of a group, I should say that. Most people expected Bruce Dorman to get out, but I don't think they expect them to dominate like this. I mean, this has been very impressive, what they've done. I mean, I'm shocked by how well they've played. I really am. I mean, I'm stunned, honestly. And, you know, my friend Nick, you know, I give him a lot of credit. He's told me, Bruce Dortmund's going to win the Bundesliga, and they're probably going to win the group in Group A. And I said, no way, go. Madrid's going to win this group. And I think Nick is right. So, Nick, I owe you. I give you credit there, man. It was very impressive. Um... So right now I I still think obviously the two teams that'll come out of this group are Dortmund and Madrid. I think Dortmund ends up winning the group the way they're playing right now, and Atletico Madrid will come in second. So now we go to Group B, another tie to the group that I have. Obviously Inter Milan. If I had to pick an Italian team to root for, it would be Inter Milan. I I I used to play, and I used to play FIFA on Xbox. I used to play with them a lot, and uh, Nick's brother Carmine who. Uh, you know Nick and Carmine will both eventually be guests on the show here. They uh Carmen's a big Inter Milan fan, so obviously you know I I somewhat know Inter Milan and uh you know Barcelona, T- Inter Milan, Tottenham and PSV Eindhoven. Uh PSV has actually made it pretty difficult to this point. Yes, they're all one and two and so is Tottenham. But uh PSV has looked okay. I mean, they got blown up at Barcelona, they almost beat Inter Milan, and then they got a draw with Tottenham, which was I I mean, Tottenham is just a disappointment this year. Tottenham has really, really struggled. they are one 0-1-2. They had a chance to beat Inter, and they lost. I mean, they just have not looked very good. They've had a lot of injuries, though. I mean, Hugo Lloris has hurt, and you know Deli Alli has struggled. Now, they're fifth in the Premier League, Tottenham. They're 7-0-2 in the Premier League, which is very good. But that's outside the top four, which would get them into the Champions League next year. Um, so I, I, they're going to have some work to do. Now, they're only a point behind Arsenal for fourth, but Tottenham has to figure out a way to kind of get back in the mix here in the Champions League, but it's going to be very difficult. You know, Inter right now is 2-0-1. Their loss was to Barcelona. Uh, obviously, Inter is a team. I think that could be very dangerous, especially if they get the right matchup in the round of 16. I think they can... I think, I'll make a prediction right here. I think they make it to the quarterfinal. I don't know if they're going to get past the quarterfinal because that's really where it gets tough. But I think Inter Milan will get through to the quarterfinal because I really like the way they're playing. I know sometimes they have their ups and downs. And, you know, they almost lost to a PSV and they barely beat Tottenham. But I think for some reason, I have a feeling they're going to come together and I think they're going to they're going to win a game. And then obviously you have Barcelona up top. They, obviously they're 3-0, They beat Inter Milan without Lionel Messi, which is very impressive, and I think Barcelona is probably the team to beat right now, but again, it's early, we're only halfway through group stage, got a long way to go, and we'll see what happens going forward. So Group C, which is near and dear to my heart, because I am a Paris Saint-Germain fan, I know people cringe when I say that, like, oh my god, I'm sorry, like, your team doesn't really meet expectations. I'm used to that with all my other teams, so that's not the first time, but... Uh, right now it's Liverpool with six points, Napoli with five, PSG with four, and Red Star Belgrade with one. Now, Red Star Belgrade's been completely dominated. They have been just, you know, overmatched in all these things. So I I think Red Star Belgrade will obviously get knocked out. Then it comes down to Liverpool, Napoli, and PSG. These are three of the biggest clubs in the world. For me, this is very tough. But I'm going to say it here, that Paris Saint-Germain will not make it through. You know, PSG has a lot of talent. You have Neymar and Mbappe, two of the top five players in the world, in my opinion. You've got a great striker, Edson Cabani, Angel Di Maria. You've got some really good world-class talent. But there's two problems. One is Thomas Tuchel, their manager. I thought that was a terrible hire. Thomas Tuchel is Unite Emery all over again. And second, they don't play as a team. Neymar and Mbappe are great individual talents, but they only care about themselves. They don't really pass a lot. Now, granted, Neymar passed to Di Maria had a great goal against Napoli, but Neymar and Mbappe do not pass the ball. They're very selfish. They're very—it's all about me, me, and me, and my brand and what I want to become. And they don't care about the team. And I think that's pissed off guys like Cavani, Di Maria, and Thiago Silva. You know, so I don't think PSG is going to make it out of this group. I really don't. Uh, I think Napoli is going to get through. Napoli was very impressive against PSG. Napoli should have won that game. Now, unfortunately for them, they got an own goal, and then Di Maria hit a crack. So, I, I still believe Napoli is going to get out of this group. PSG, to me, is going to implode. I just, I'm being a fan, I can say that. They are, I think they're going to implode. I really, I really do. I think this team is going to blow up. I think Cavani's going to leave, and everyone's going to leave, and... You know, I I really believe that Napoli is going to get out. Liverpool will win the group. Liverpool's are great. I think they're going to win the group. Napoli will come in second, then PSG, then Belgrade. So on to Group D, another competitive group with four really unknown teams. Porto, Schalke, Galatasaray, and Lokomotiv Moscow. Lokomotiv Moscow hasn't been competitive in any game. They're 0-3. They're they're not going to make it. I do believe Porto's going to advance out of this group. And I'm having a tough time deciding between Schalke and Galatasaray of who's going to get out. I'm going to give it to Schalke, and the only reason I'm going to give it to them is because they're in a better league. Galatasaray is in the Turkish league now. Not saying that Turkey's a bad league, but Galat Galatasaray, has us. like they've got some good teams there. But Schalke is in the Bundesliga, and when you've got Bayern Munich and Dortmund and and Hoffenheim and some of these other teams that are a little more competitive, I think that plays to their advantage. I'm going to take Schalke to come out of the group. Again, whoever comes in second, I don't think is going to make it past the first round of knockout, so I don't think it's going to matter. But I'm going to take Schalke to come in second, Porto in first. Porto is definitely the best team in this, in this group. Group E, you've got Ajax, Bayern, Benfica, and AEK Athens. Ajax has been really impressive. And Ajax, you know, they're a team that I think is underrated. I don't think anyone's really talked about them. Um, you know, this is a team about 15, 20 years ago that everyone's like, oh my god, Ajax, they're going to be in the finals, semifinals. Now they're a team that's, okay, we're going to play there a couple years, and then we're going to go to Real Madrid or Barcelona. Remember, Ajax had Christian Eriksen. Christian Erickson's a very good player on Tottenham. You know, Ajax now, I think, is starting to regain their form of 15, 20 years ago. I don't think they're going to make the Champions League final. But they're another team that could make a run. Maybe they make a quarterfinal. If they get the right matchup, they they have a shot. You know, Bayern has been a little disappointing. I mean, yes, they're 2-1. And, and yes, they're I think they're still going to win the group. And Ajax will come in second. But if you look at, at uh, the Bundesliga this year, Bayern has not looked great. They've looked very sluggish. You know, Bayern is in second right now behind Dortmund. And obviously Bayern's the favorite to win. But Bayern really got off to a slow story. And now Bayern's kind of picked it up a little bit. Um, I think Bayern will win the group. Ajax will come in second. Um, but I, I really don't know how far Bayern Munich is going to go. They're an older team, you know, with Thomas Muller and Lewandowski and, and Frank Ribéry, and they've, you know, they've got some older guys. So I'm curious to see how it works out. I, I just think right now soccer is transitioning into a young person's game, and I think that's going to really affect Bayern Munich. But you also need experience to win games in the Champions League. So I'll, you need that balance, and we'll see how it shakes out for them. Group F, you got Man City, Lyon, Hoffenheim, and Shakhtar Donsk. I think Man City and Lyon are coming out of this group. Now, Lyon does have some drama going on right now. Memphis Depay, who's one of my favorite players, has had some issues with the coach and his playing time. And, you know, he thinks he should be playing every game. And he, granted, he probably should on Lyon. But if Memphis Depay wants to go to a bigger team, he can't be doing what he's doing right now. He can't be complaining about playing time. I'm sorry. I mean, Memphis Depay... He's too good of a player to be complaining right now. I mean, Memphis Depay you know, is one of the most underrated players in the world. Nobody talks about him because he's on Lyon in League 1, which is not a competitive league. But uh, I think Lyon will get out. They'll come in second. Man City will win the group. Man City's loss was to Lyon. It was at the Etihad. And the reason they lost is because Pep Guardiola didn't manage. So I think it'll be Man City and Lyon. Unfortunately for Hoffenheim and Shakhtar Donetsk. I don't think they're going to make it. Shakhtar Donsk had Fred. He's now in Man United. He left. That was a big loss for them. I think if Fred was still there, maybe I'd give them a shot. But, you know, without Fred, I, I don't expect them to get through. Hoffenheim is a young team as well. So I'm going to go with Man City and Leon in Group F. Group G, uh, Real Madrid, Roma, CSKA Moscow, and uh, and Victoria Pleasant. I, I, I'm going with Real Madrid and Roma here. I know CSKA Moscow has played fairly well up to this point. But Roma and Real Madrid are too strong. Real Madrid's had their ups and downs. They're 7th in La Liga. But I'm going with those two teams. I still think Real Madrid's going to win the group. But Roma's going to challenge them. And Roma's a very dangerous team right now. Last year they made the semifinals. You know, they knocked out Barcelona, which was unbelievable. But uh, I'm going to still take those two teams to get out of Group G. And Group H, Juventus, Man United, Valencia, the young boys... I think it's pretty obvious here Juventus is going to win the group. Man United is going to come in second. Valencia had a disappointing result against Young Boys with a draw. Juventus has looked very strong. Defensively, I think they're probably the top three team in the world. And with Cristiano Ronaldo still there, I still think Juventus is too strong. So I'm going to give my semifinals and my finals prediction. Now obviously, I don't know the matchups. I don't know who's going to play who. This is strictly off my hunch and who I think is going to make it. So my semifinals are Juventus, I think they're going to make it. Cristiano Ronaldo and and the back line is too strong. I think Barcelona makes it as well. I I think they're a team that is forced to be reckoned with. You know, Messi will come back and they'll be stronger. My third team is Liverpool. I, I think Liverpool is a team that has a lot of depth. Klopp's a great coach. Ali Sun's a great goalie. They, I think the one weakness with Liverpool is their defense, but I think it'll hold up. So I'm going to take Liverpool. And then my fourth team is Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund has played well, and I'm going to ride the bandwagon right now because they have been the most impressive team in my mind. Uh, I think Borussia Dortmund is going to make the semifinals. So for me, it's Dortmund, Barcelona, Liverpool, and Juventus. That's going to be the... The semi-finals. The finals for me is going to be Juventus and Barcelona. Yes, that is Ronaldo Messi. and But I really believe that these are the two best teams right now. They're the two best teams out there. But I'm picking Barcelona to win because I trust Ter Stegen more than Chesney. On now granted, Juventus has a great back line. I think the midfield is very good for both teams. Up front is very good for both teams. But I think you Juventus needs this more than Barcelona. They need to win this because Ronaldo, there is pressure on Cristiano Ronaldo and their manager Allegri to, to win the Champions League now. Especially if Cristiano Ronaldo's legal stuff plays out and it turns out to not go in Juventus's favor, that could be a huge problem. So I think Juventus needs it more, but I'm going to take Barcelona to win the Champions League this year. I think Lionel Messi is on a mission to win the Champions League this year. So that'll do it for episode four of Straight Up Sports, the podcast episode five will be coming at you sometime next week. I'm gonna get into the World Series. I'm sure it'll be over by then, and we'll look forward to the off season and see what the story is there. You know, I'll recap the NFL as well as college football. A lot's gone on in college football. A lot of teams lost again. We're gonna preview Alabama, LSU. That's the big game with my guy Ed Orgeron. I'm gonna be rooting for Ed Orgeron. We did great. I hope. I hope Ed Orgeron wins that game. And uh, so that wraps it up for episode four. I'm Andrew Schaefer, and this is Straight Up Sports.